0: Well, as we've been working through the book of Romans, we've been in the doctrinal aspect. And in chapter 9, we saw that Israel was on the heart of Paul. And and over chapters 9, 10, and 11, he explains the past, the present, and the future of Israel. And to give you God's mind and God's heart on Israel, because there's some people that would have the notion that God's finished with Israel, is done with Israel, that Israel was an analogy, and when uh, Christ rose from the dead, the analogy's over, and, and Israel is, is no longer irrelevant to God and, and, uh, and the future of what he has for believers. And Paul, in each of these chapters, says, you know, God, the, the, God's heart is very much with the Jews to this day, desires them to be saved. Of course, everyone is saved by individually receiving Christ. Nobody can be saved because of your family or your nationality. So if you're here today and you say, well, my, pre- my parents are Christian, so I guess I'm a Christian too. Nope, that doesn't make you a Christian. God only has children, no grandchildren. Um, you have to personally uh, receive Christ as your parents did. And so with, when we talk about the nation of Israel, uh, God is going to deal with Israel once again as a national group or an ethical, ethnical group. But of course, even then, every one of them individually have to, to come to Christ. But uh, as we were looking at this, we, we saw that Paul began an analogy in chapter 11 how there's like this olive tree and the root system is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And and then the, the branches are Jewish branches and so forth. And, and those Jewish branches eventually produced the Messiah through the tribe of Judah, through the son of David, Jesus, according to the flesh. Uh, our Christian Messiah is a Jewish Messiah, a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth. And so we're much indebted to the Jews in many ways. And one of the ways we're indebted to them is they've given us Uh, our Messiah. And it's interesting how people around the world want to sort of embrace Jesus without him being a Jew. They want to sort of ignore the Jewish aspect of him. And uh, the Bible doesn't ever do that. And so what do you do? You've got, as Paul's present time, as it is to this day, uh, the majority of Israel are non-believers. And the term that Paul uses here, all Israel all Israel at this point are non-believers except for a remnant of a handful of people that have individually received Christ as their Lord. So what do we do with that? And this is what we've been discussing. And, and Paul last time said, look, I'll tell you one thing you don't want to do with that, Christians. And that is to come to the conclusion that God doesn't want anything to do with Israel anymore. He said that would be a haughty thing. But you've got to realize that the natural branch was broken off of the olive tree, that a wild olive branch, the Gentile branch, would be grafted in. And then he says, but understand, God could reverse that. He can easily take out the wild olive branch and, and put in the natural branch. And he goes on to tell us, as a matter of fact, that's exactly what's going to happen one day. In verse 25 where we're picking up, but let's look at verse 23 again. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. So Israel, as a majority of people, we would say all Israel. Or the uh, nationally, as a people, would recognize themselves as followers of Jesus. That day is coming. And if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature... And were grafted contrary to nature into the cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are all natural branches, notice here, be grafted into their own olive tree? So he's saying that day is gonna come. Now in verse twenty five, so I do not want I do not desire, brethren, that you be ignorant of this mystery. This is a mystery. This is, this is something that only the mind of God can know because he alone knows the past, present, and future. Nobody else can do that. Uh, demons can guess at it. Uh, men can predict portions of it. But only God knows the truth completely about it. And he goes on to say in verse 25, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery. It's a mystery. Lest you should be wise in your own opinion. There's a lot of people who have come up with their theologies and written thousands of books and thousands of pages on, on how basically uh, God has replaced Israel and Israel is no longer important to God and God has nothing to do with Israel as a people ever again, nationally, ethnically. It, it's, it's irrelevant. And here he's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant. It's a mystery. In other words, it's not some simple thing that I can sit down and show you on a nice little diagram. And you go, oh, that's easy. Two plus two plus two. Got it. No, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's complicated. Because uh, there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, and, and how they move in and out. It's, it's rather complicated. But nevertheless, I, I want you to know. I don't want you to be ignorant of it. And I definitely don't want you to come up with an easy answer. And be wise in your own opinion. Oh, well, God's done with Israel. End of story. No. And then he goes on to say, yes, blindness in part has happened to Israel as a nation, as an ethnic group, until, notice that word until, the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So, We saw last time, we're going to see it again today, that when the Jews, for the most part, except for a remnant, rejected their Jewish Messiah, the Lord said, then you as a national Israel are counting yourself um, unworthy of this gospel. Therefore, if you rejected it, I'm going to take this wonderful salvation for the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'm going to take it to the rest of the world, the Gentiles. We saw this last week, that their unbelief brought riches to the rest of the world. Remember in Genesis 12, the bio, God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and in and through you, I'm going to bless all the people groups, all the nations of the world. And this was a part of this mystery. You know, we we thought we were thinking it was going to be directly, but it ended up being indirectly for a dispensation of time. And we are now in that dispensation time where the Jews are counting themselves unworthy of the gospel. Blindness has happened in part. There are many tens of thousands of completed Jews who do follow Jesus just like we follow Jesus. We have uh, Jews that come to our church. We have Arabs that come to our church. We have, you know, every nationality just about comes to our church here. So we're, but, so it, it's personally, it's not one ethnic group over another ethnic group. Um, it, it's every person individually has to receive Christ. However, the reason this is important is God chose one nation out of all nations. And that was Israel. And God in essence said, I'm going to show you my character My nature, who I am, who I'm not, what I like, what I don't like. And and I'm going to, as I relate and work with them, you will come to know me. And so all the promises that God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants forever, we, we learn of the nature of God. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So how God deals with Israel is significant to all the world. Because it explains how he's going to deal with us as a church and as individuals within that church. And so we see here that this is a mystery. And and when the Jews as a nationality rejected the Messiah, this blindness came upon the Jews. Not all, because some have believed. But... The door was open to the Gentiles, and the light shined upon all the other nations. The blindness was taken away from us, and our eyes were open. And now around the world, in many countries where it's illegal to be a Christian, people are imprisoned and persecuted for being Christians. But in the four corners of the world, there are people who know Jesus and are following Jesus. We're in this dispensation of time. And uh, during this time, for the majority of Jews, there's blindness Upon them, they 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 don't want to hear about Jesus. They they hate the fact that us Christians are using their Jewish Bible. Um, you know, I I've I've been to Israel and, um, you know, had Jewish tour guides and and it just blows their mind that we're so excited about the things of their forefathers and they, it just sort of gets uh, gets under their nerves after a while. It's like. You know because you know the jews are like oh yeah that's where elijah called fire to heaven yeah sure you know what else where's a good bar you know and here's christians are going really oh let's just sit there and meditate let's read through the bible let's worship the lord and and they're they're just they're just like why do you guys care what happened in our bible you know and they, it's just it's an amazing thing the the love our our love has provoked them to jealousy but we were uh, talking one day and i was on a, one of the trips many trips i took and um, Greg Opin our missionary to Hungary for many years and and you know him well but he was uh, me and him were on the front seat there I was running the tour group and and we were talking to the tour guide who had been there and fought 1948 battle 1967 battle he had been a guy one of the main guys who had established Israel and uh, and elderly gentlemen, and, and 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 he was talking and Greg said yeah you know I'm a Jew and and he looked at him going, how do you think you're a Jew? And he said, well, my dad's a Jew. And he goes, that doesn't mean anything. He goes, what was your mom? He goes, Oh well, my mom's a Gentile. Then you're a Gentile. He goes, how's that? He goes, that's the rules of Israel. Your mother and grandmother both have to be Jewish. It doesn't matter about the dad at all. And so he said, if my mother and my grandmother were both not Jewish, I'm not a Jew or if they both were Jewish I'm a Jew correct and he said well who is King David's grandmother it was Rahab the harlot from Moab or from Jericho and he said so was David then not a Jew and this guy sat there and I'd never seen anybody get so red and the thing is they carry guns so but he he was fuming just I mean he just he could hardly communicate he was so upset and he just said anybody who believes in Jesus as a Messiah is not a Jew and far as I'm concerned even if you had Jewish blood running through your veins all the way back to, to Abraham but you now believed in Jesus you should not be able to be made a citizen of this country or you should be kicked out of this country and that was just, that was like, wow, okay. And he had been doing trips for uh, Calvary chapels for decades at that point. But yet, uh, you know, had no problem being a tour guide. But the, the fact when you really came down to it, he, he was angry with Jesus and angry at those who believed that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. And it was amazing because he would go to stops. And, and he would say, no, here's where Apostle Paul and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and here's where he prayed to our Holy Lord Jesus. You know, he would get all into it. But you know, <laughs> there's just this blindness on there. But notice a very important term in verse 25. Until, until the fullness of the Gentiles is come in. There is a point in time when the final Gentile who's going to get saved gets saved. Maybe today. There's a point right now where the harvest of Gentiles is coming in. And when that time of the harvest of the Gentiles, that dispensation of time is done, when that is, we don't know. It's going to end this dispensation time of the Gentiles. And it's going to open the door for a new time where God focuses back upon the Jews so if you would if you go through the Old Testament God sort of has a singular focus and that is upon Israel as a nation and there's Gentiles that come into that I mean many Egyptians left Egypt and became a part of Israel and other people like Rahab we mentioned and and, uh, Ruth the Moabitess and there's others that come into the, the, the story there and then but the most part, it's, it's following Israel. But then we come to the New Testament. And thereafter, Jesus raises from the dead. Quickly, the Jews reject the Messiah, and the focus leaves the Jews. And we study the rest of the New Testament, and the, the focus, for the most part, is all other people groups other than the Jews. The Jews are mentioned. I mean, they're, they're somewhat still mentioned around. I mean, it's not like they're ignored. But now the focus is on the Gentile world. That's where God's focus is. But when the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, I believe it's going to be the rapture of the church. All believers on the earth will be raptured away, caught away to be with Christ. And it'll begin a seven-year tribulation period known as Jacob's trouble. And the focus will stop being upon the Gentile world and the focus will go back unto Israel. In... Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3. Paul says there, How that by revelation it made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already, by which you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which at other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to the Spirit and his holy apostles and prophets. That is, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. So the first mystery that Paul's revealing is that the focus is leaving Israel and going on to the Gentile world as becoming a part of the Jewish Messiah. And then we have, oh, man, there's so many scriptures on this. It's sort of, you sort of want to take a break and say, okay, now we're going to do a 10-part series on end times. Uh, but without doing that, Let me look at a few verses in Zechariah. You might want to turn there in your Bibles over to Zechariah. We're going to look at three different chapters and several different verses, and I'm going to put them up on the overhead as well. So if you're tired from yesterday. But in Zechariah 12, verse 10 and 11, I will pour out on the house of David, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication, then they will look on me whom they, what? Pierce. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. Grieve for him as one grieves for his firstborn. And that day there will be a great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning of hidden ribbon in the plain of Megiddo. And in Zechariah 13, verse 6, And one will say to him, What are these wounds between your arms? And he will answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. And so, what's going to happen is we're going to have this seven year period, tribulation period. And in the first three and a half, the Bible breaks it down into two, three and a half periods. The first three and a half, the Jews are going to be spiritually awakened, there's going to be a great revival of many Jews coming to Christ. At that moment, matter of fact, in Revelation, it tells us there's 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe of these mighty prophet evangelists that go throughout the world and have phenomenal success amongst the Jews, but also amongst the Gentiles. But again, the majority of the Jews are going to believe the Antichrist is the Christ. There's going to be a 10 kingdoms that are going to rise up reviving the old roman empire and one little one's going to come up and take out three others he's going to start a one world economy one world religion and a one world military system and he's going to begin forcing men to take the mark 666 or they can't buy or they can't sell um and and people not everybody joins that they're they're rebellion the whole world's in chaos but in that three and a half year period ultimately he makes it to jerusalem to inaugurate the temple and uh The Jews as a nation are willing to accept this Antichrist as the Antichrist as he makes a new religion. But at the moment he goes to dedicate the temple, the Jews' eyes are open. And the Zechariah passage is here. They realize it's Jesus, the one whom we pierced, the one who we put nails through his hands. That was the Messiah. And they reject the Antichrist. And in that, there's the biggest holocaust of the Jews that's ever happened. And the Bible tells them, Matthew, flee. Flee east to what today is the country of Jordan. The country of Jordan were three ancient groups, that of Esau, that of Moab, and that of Ammon. And the Bible says that they'll flee into the area of Moab and Edom, and God will put his hand of protection on the Jews and all those believers who have fled there for the second three and a half year period where God begins to pour, the, pour out the bowls of his wrath upon the earth. and But in that time, when they're trying to escape from the persecution of the Antichrist after having rejected him in that three and a half year period, in Zechariah 13, verse eight and nine, it says, and it will come to pass in the land, in all the land, says the Lord, that two thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one third shall be left in it. One third shall escape and be protected for that second three and a half year period. I will bring one third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, test them as gold is tested, and they will call on my name, and I will answer them, and I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. And so then you end, You have the bowls of God's wrath pouring upon the earth for the second three and a half year period. Uh, all the kingdoms of the world come together in the final moments of the seven year period into the valley of Armageddon where all of these guys initially come to war against the Antichrist, end up warring with one another. And then in Zechariah 14 is the actual second coming of Christ with us. And uh, in Zechariah 14, verse 1, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst, And I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem and the city shall be taken. The horses rifled and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. Uh, This is clearly descriptive in the book of Revelation as well. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives with his faces, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall, rem- shall move towards the north and half of it shall move towards the south. And then you shall flee through my mountain valley for the mountain valley shall reach to Ahazel. Yes, you shall flee and you shall, you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uriah, the king of Judah. Thus says the Lord, my God, will, may, will come all the saints, that's us, uh, with you. So this is one of many passages that describes this where the Lord, we actually return with the Lord. He's on a white horse and Revelation describes it. We are also those who have been raptured to be with Christ. We're coming back now to rule and reign on the earth for a thousand year millennial reign. We will be kings and priests under our God. We're riding out of heaven. We've been in a seven year marriage supper of the Lamb with our husband, the Lord. And now we're gonna come back and now those who have made, made it through the tribulation survived uh, and who have believed upon Christ will now repopulate the earth. God's going to heal the earth. Uh, we, we see the scriptures where uh, a child uh, could be 100 years old because man will live a long time. and. And, uh, you know, the little baby can put his hand in the viper's hole and it's like an earthworm to him. And, you know, you got the, 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 the lion and the wolf and the lamb all gray, grazing next together. Uh, the earth is going to sort of come back to the way it was in the days of Adam and Eve. And uh, during that thousand year reign, the one third of the Jews that made it through that will begin to repopulate the earth. And Christ will rule on the throne of David for that thousand years. You know, Israel, if you look at the geographical layout, depends on which one you pick out, but it's about 300,000 square miles. The most Israel has ever governed over was about a tenth of that, 30,000 square miles under David and Solomon. But God promised to Abraham that everywhere he put his foot, which would be about 300,000 square miles, uh, would be your land and you would uh, be under control of it. The throne of David would be over it. And we see that will be fulfilled as the one who came into human flesh uh, resurrected in uh, resurrected human body. Jesus will rule and reign there um, upon the throne of David for that thousand years, and we will rule and reign with him now. You say, man, that you know. I read a few verses there, Brian. There's so many verses on this. Like I said, it's, it's tempting to say, "Well, let's just stop right here and, and do a ten-week study." We will have a prophecy update here in just a few weeks, and uh, we'll be getting back to prophetic scriptures. And of course, you can go online, and all my teachings uh, are on there, as well as other Calvary pastors. Uh, if you want to go through the Book of Revelation and and get this in much more detail, but here Paul, in essence, says, "I don't want you to be ignorant. It's a mystery." We don't have all the pieces of the puzzle yet. We don't know how it all goes together. These are the raw facts for sure that are out there that are immovable. Well, when's the rapture going to come? Exa- we don't know. You know. Now, how is that going to work in the three and a half years? We, we don't know. I mean, this is what the Bible gives us. But again, uh, exactly how it's going to happen, there's still a mystery to it. There's still elements that we don't know. But the point is, is that the blindness that has happened to Israel in part is not going to always be that way. The openness of the Gentiles to receive the gospel is not always going to be that way. It's going to to switch. There's going to be a blindness upon the Gentiles and the Jews' eyes are going to be opened as we come into these last days. And this is why, again, we as Gentiles are not to boast. But in that time, in verse 26 here of Romans 11... All Israel will be saved. And of course, as you go through the Bible and look where it says all Israel, it's referring to the majority of the Israel, the majority of the, the, the population. Not all, it's still an individual thing, will be saved. As is written in Isaiah fifty nine, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, and this is my covenant with them, and I will take away their sins. And this is again when uh, Christ returns in a second coming. They look on him and they pierced, and the Lord connects with them, and they realize it's Jesus. They become believers in Jesus. Now, in verse 28, concerning the gospel, right now, as you go out and share your faith in the workplace, to your next-door neighbor, wherever you go, they, the Jews, as a nationality, are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the Father's. So on a very practical level, there's a blindness over Jews' eyes. And so there's a, there's, a, there's a reaction with them. There's sort of a retaliation of them not appreciating you sharing their Bible with them and telling them that their Jewish Messiah has come and they missed him. That there's not a, there's not a real friendly uh, openness going, Wow, yeah, please explain my Bible to me, Gentile. Uh, that would be very, very wonderful. And uh, yeah, now, now how bad did we screw up again? Um, yeah, now we didn't just sin all those years, but we actually, the Messiah came to save us and we have been thumbing our nose at him for the last two years, 2,000 years. Uh, thank you, boy, you got a lot of wonderful things to tell me, don't you? So we, we understand that there, there's, as there's, there's, far as the sharing the gospel, the majority of Jews are not going to believe. There's always a remnant. And like I said, there's Jews here in our congregation that have come to Christ. But again, in the Sermon on the Mount, what are we to do with our enemies? We're to love them, aren't we? We're to pray for them. We're to do good to them. We're to bless them. So even here when it talks about enemies, it's not talking about enemies as we, you know, need to pull out knives and start fighting enemies. He's just saying they're, they're, they're going to be resistant to receiving Christ more than a Gentile. And I'll tell you what i 've been to Germany and i 've been to England where Christianity once was or post christian societies and i 'll tell you what there 's a greater blindness there <laughs> in some of those countries, even in our own country today, a lack of openness to being willing to hear the gospel than than when I go to Israel. I do find uh, many cases the Jews more than willing to listen to what I have to say more than I, I can say through europe and uh, so again overall there's a blindness but there's resistant gentiles also in there and what do we do for to them we love them we pray for them we bless them we do good to them and so yeah on a practical level they're enemies because there's a blindness there but nevertheless ultimately we know the heart of god on this they are the elect of god and they're what they're the beloved of god so we're not to get frustrated. We're not to be angry. We're not to get upset that they don't listen to us. We understand that that is the reality. Do we still share the Lord of the Jews? Absolutely. Are we going to have a big success amongst Jews getting saved at this dispensation time? No, we're not. But are some remnant of them will be saved? Absolutely. That's why we need to continue to spread. So if, if we get attacked by someone, Jew or Gentile, What's our reaction to be? Well, fine, go to hell. You know, when I don't tell you about Jesus anymore. You deserve it. Ah, you know, that's never our at reaction, is it? We know whoever this person is, that that God loves them, and I I, I love that story in Corey Timboom when uh, they're being arrested, her and 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 her father and her sister uh, for hiding Jews during the Holocaust time there in Nazi Germany, and, and these Nazis got her. 80-plus-year-old dad, maybe even almost 90, and, and they're hitting him and pushing him and, and treating him badly. And, and he looks at the horror on his daughter's face, who at that time was in her 50s, and, and just he could see she was getting angry at how they're just brutalizing her elderly father. And, and I love that, that point where he looks at her and he says, Corey, love them. They're the apple of God's eye. A term that was used to the Jews. They're the apple of God's eye. But yet he's saying these Nazis, love them. Don't hate them. They're the apple of God's eye. These people that are enemies right now <laughs> to you and me because uh, we've done what was right in God's eyes. This is why Christ died, for evil Nazis too, for evil men. Don't don't, don't hate them, love them. And, and in essence, God has told us with our Jewish brothers that we're to love them. You know, God doesn't have to say love chocolate pudding you know love chocolate cake Uh, we'll do that without God's command but he does have to tell us to love our wives because sometimes you know uh, or respect your husband oh that's a tough one yeah well you got to you're tough God told you you had to so in the same way there's times that the Jews are unlovable people and they are They're difficult people sometimes. Of course, I could say that about a lot of other nationalities as well. Um, But the fact is, is, we're to love them. And we need to love them because God's made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would love them. And he would be faithful to their descendants forever. And so God is not giving up on them. And notice in verse 29, the gifts and the calling of God are what? Irrevocable, without regret. So he gave them the law. He's given them the prophets. He's given them himself, the Messiah. God has gifted them and blessed them with so many things and through the Jews to this day there's, it's, it's a massive amount of Jews that are Nobel Prize winners uh, scientists that have invented so many various things and cures. I mean the, the Jews as a population of people even though they're a very small group of people numerically yet there's clearly an amazing amount of the wealth of the world they hold uh, a tremendous amount of Amount of patents that are held, cures, some of the leading scientists uh, throughout the last several hundreds of years, you'll find continually are the Jews. God's hands on them and, and, and they're gifted, and those gifts that God's blessing them with, He's not taking away, nor the calling. He called them His children and He will call them, continue to call them unto Himself until their eyes are opened again. Now again, how does that reflect on us? God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is is calling us. And maybe you're here today and you're not walking in obedience. Maybe you did for a time, but you got tripped up. The cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things came in and tripped you up and you're going, man, I'm just fruitless. I'm, I'm addicted. I'm whatever it is. You know what? God's saying the same thing to you. All the gifts I gave to you, the gift of my son, the gift that whoever believes upon me will have everlasting life. It's still there. I'm still knocking at the door of your heart right now. Come unto me. I have no regret to to receive you back unto myself. And in essence, God is just saying, I'm I'm a pillar. I'm a rock. I'm not going anywhere. My heart of intention towards Israel has not changed, even though they've completely out... Out, not rejected me. I'm going to stay here in the trenches and buckle down and be faithful to them until their eyes are opened again. Even though it won't be until they receive the antichrist and the tribulation period and horrible massacre happens. You know when the all the craziness is ended, I'm there to say, "Here I am." Yeah, the wounds I received those wounds in the house of my friends, and they'll look on him when they pierced. And uh, Jesus said in Matthew twenty three thirty nine. I say to you that you'll see me no more until you say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And there'll be a day when they look on Jesus in a second coming saying blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and receive him. And in verse 30. So as for you were once disobedient to God yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience or unbelief. Even so, these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they all may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience, or or, or shut them all up into disobedience, or unbelief, that he might have mercy on all. So here's just sort of one of those equations that we could just never figure out. It's beyond calculus, you know. Where God, it was saw that the Jews and their stubbornness as they had throughout history when, they, when the, the great gift of Jesus would come that them in their own self-righteousness wanting to find a, a, a righteousness through the law would reject the, the righteousness that comes by grace and they would reject him but he had already made a plan to say their rejection is going to be an openness for the rest of the world coming to the Messiah. But then it's going to flip back around. Their openness again will bring the Jews to Christ and even a greater blessing upon the Gentiles. And Paul at this point just, he's like, how can you calculate this out? How can you figure this out? And he just starts worshiping. And that brings us to the end of this chapter. Just worshiping. Oh, the depth of riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. He's just like, man, God and his, the riches of his wisdom, the riches of his knowledge. We can't even start scratching the surface of understanding his thought processes. They're past finding out. In Isaiah 55, verse 8, the Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says, I am operating on a level that's between earth and hundreds of thousands of light years away. <laughs> um, my, your smartest thought before my stupidest thought. There, there's just no comparison that God's working on a level that we can't even begin to scratch the surface on and it should just bring us to that place to just say, wow, this is this is amazing that you, you know the future so clearly. It's in your control. There's no coincidences in your kingdom. And then in verse 34, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? Quoting in Isaiah 40 and Jeremiah 23 and Job 36, he hears saying that, who 's known the mind of God? I mean how, how can somebody, somebody say, "I know what God was thinking? I know what God has figured out. nobody can, or who who can become his counselor and I think we often make that mistake. I think we often think like yeah god 's smarter than me, but you know i 've got some good good advice for him anyway, and it 's like hey let 's talk and i 'm going to actually make you smarter, God. you know once you hear my counsel you 're going to go oh brian i 'm so glad I talked to you about this." before I made that decision because I had just not thought that thought. You know, I'm God, I'm sort of limited over here in my, you know, my limited brain capacity. But then you put this whole new light on it, Brian, and whoo, man, I gotta talk to you more often, Brian, because your counsel is really rounding me out. You know, I'm gonna be a better God now, more wiser than I was before you started counseling me, I mean, it's just not going to happen. This is what he's saying, or even in verse thirty-five, for who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him. There in a in Job forty-one, who owes who is God ever going to be in a debtor relationship? Is God ever going to be in a place where He owes us? You know, one of the first places you need to come if you're a person wanting to walk in grace is to get out of that rut of thinking that, well, I was really good this week, God owes me. I read an extra chapter of the Bible, God owes me. I worked extra hard at the harvest festival, so God owes me one. You know what? God is never going to be a debtor to you, but he wants to give and bless you just because he loves you. And how we need to come to that, that mindset. And so some might be here going, well, I don't know if I like this thing of Israel's eyes being opened again and the tribulation period and you know I don't know if I like all that stuff and it's like who cares <laughs> who cares what you like or don't like well it seems a little complicated it is that's why it's called a mystery you sure got to look at a lot of verses in the New Testament and the Old Testament and got to pull them together and tie them together and yep you sure do these are definitely not the you know the kids cookies you put on the bottom shelf this is the steak that's in the freezer that the adults have to know how to get into the freezer and thaw them out and marinate them and barbecue them and yeah this is this is not simple stuff but again we're not in a position where God owes to change the course of history to make it to our liking or he owes it to make it less complicated for us to understand that God can can be God and he's proud of being God and he's not gonna be lesser or different to make you happy And here he says it finally in verse 36. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. So Paul just ends and we see in Revelation all the saints and all the angels singing a very similar song. Unto him be honor and glory and power. For by him and through him and to him are all things. Ultimately, all things are being drawn unto Jesus. And uh, either today, you're at that place. You're just being drawn unto Jesus. And you're saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to love what you love to the degree you love it. I'm going to hate what you hate to the degree you hate it. And Lord, I'm just here to just melt at your feet. I mean, there's so many issues in the Bible that our little puny brains just sort of come to the end, you know? Little sparks start flying and smoke starts coming out our ears and we realize you have to have the mind of God to fully conceive it or understand it. And at that point, you you either just say, well, unless I can understand it all perfectly, forget it. Well, if you understood it all perfectly, you would be God. And you're not. So it's ridiculous for you to think you're equal to God in intellect. But there comes that place like Paul just saying, I know, I know God's heart. God's going to reestablish Israel. He's not going to finish with. He's not done with them. He's going to end with all Israel being saved and all nationally Israel coming to Him and all worshiping Him as Lord and King and Jesus ruling and reigning for a thousand years from Jerusalem and all of us as kings and priests in our God and the world's going to be repopulated in a thousand year millennial reign and 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 there we're going to see what. Christ saw, we saw way back at the beginning, promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob being fulfilled in the Messiah, on this earth. It's going to come to pass. At the end of the thousand-year millennial reign, the Bible says Satan will be released. And all these people that have populated the earth will have a chance to be tempted to either side with Jesus after being with him, for many people a a thousand years, for some maybe 800 years or 500 years But all the earth is listening to Jesus' teaching, is with all those who are in power and control. All of them are in their brand new righteous bodies, us, who can't be tempted, who are kings and priests unto our God, to all the people, perfect leaders around the world. And you know what the Bible tells us? That after being with Jesus on a perfect earth, that there'll be a percentage of people that rebel against Christ, towards Satan Satan's going to show up I don't know what he's going to say it's like aren't you sick of this perfect planet and Jesus telling you what to do all the time I don't know what he's going to say but people are going to say right on devil I'm with you man it's sort of the final period of mankind before everything's melted with a fervent heat of just showing how wicked man's heart is but more than that how amazing it is how a miracle it is that we're saved (laughs) Because we are those rebellious, evil people that we are just so submitted to Christ. And then after that final battle there, all those who have believed will get their brand new bodies. Everything's going to melt with a fervent heat. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth where we shall live with Christ forever and ever and ever. Interesting, interesting mystery. And Lord, we just come before you now and we just sort of in a little snapshot vision this morning as we wrap it up looking at your heart, we know that you're, you, you, you have a little dispensation of time that you're focused on the Gentiles, but your focus is going to come back on Israel. And we realize that time is very soon, that 1948, Jews are back in their country. 67, they have Jerusalem again. It's amazing. We're here. We are now in these last days that you, that you prophesied of, saying that this generation will indeed see the refocus on Israel. And when that refocusing starts happening on Israel again, to know that the rapture is very soon, and we see that. And Lord, I, I, as I read this this morning, I, I love Israel, because you love Israel, and my heart is linked to your heart, and Lord, as I look at these things, I just melt, I, my brain sort of fries, I, I, I see all the pieces of the puzzle on the table, I don't know how to put them all together, I just sort of just rejoice, just going, Lord, you are in control of all things, and You're in control of me. I've submitted myself. You're my Lord. Blessed are you. Your ways be done. No matter how complicated they may be in my mind, your will be done. I I see it so plainly, Lord. What you've revealed is so clear. Exactly how it's all going to fall into place, not yet known, but it's so clear. And here we are this morning, mostly Gentiles, and we're here blessed because the Jews rejected their Messiah. Even in their disobedience, they bless in us. But here we are today, Lord, every one of us. And I ask this morning, Lord, that none would leave here with blinders on. That everyone here would have ears to hear what you are saying. And I sense the word of the Lord to some that are discouraged this morning is God's gifts and callings of you are without regret. He does not regret. Calling you. He does not regret drawing you to himself. And that if you have fallen away or you become lukewarm or you've lost that first love, this is your opportunity right now in these last days. The rapture may be today. This is your chance right now where God is calling you back into himself. Giving you hope and grace to say, here I am. Run back into my arms. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus is saying, open the door, let him come in. There's some of you here today that have never received Christ and you're hearing for the first time that God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. Receive him now. Jesus, I receive you as Lord of my life. Take care of my sin. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Heal me. I submit myself to you. And Lord, we thank you again that every one of us would leave here washed in your word. For some of us, this is just some really neat pieces of the puzzle clear in our mind for some it's the first time we've opened this puzzle box before and it's sort of puzzling but to all of us lord you, you've washed us in your word you've increased our faith through your word and our eyes are fixed upon you jesus and we do pray for the peace of israel we pay for the peace of jerusalem we pray lord that you would bless lord uh, them and all their neighbors around them lord to, 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 to bring salvation of christ to them And we lay our lives at your feet this morning. Completely submitted, melted before you. Your kingdom come, your will be done in our hearts and our minds and our lives this day. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. Amen, amen. Come back tonight for the concert and some more in the word. Praise the Lord, thank you God. God bless you, have a great day in the Lord.